Along a tiny narrow street between Front and Second Streets, not far from the Delaware River, stand 32 row houses, 16 along each side. The sidewalks are brick. The center of the road is cobblestone with two narrow slate paths on either side. Like the sidewalks, the homes are also brick. Some have one or two small steps up to their front door. A few have storm cellar access. The wooden doors above the cellar painted in shades of red or gold, gray and blue, like the shutters and the door frames. These homes date back to 1702, when Alfred's Alley opened as a cart path to the river, making it easier for the merchants who lived nearby to bring their wares to and from the city of Philadelphia. Over 300 years later, Alfreth's Alley is the oldest continuously inhabited street in the entire country. It's a tourist destination for travelers visiting Philadelphia and for local tourists like me, who remember shopping near Alfreth's Alley when I was young and walking along that street thinking about a day when I could live in an old house like that. Alfreth's Alley survived generations of neglect, earned historic landmark status in the 60s, and, like so many locations in the city of brotherly love, is rumored to be one of the most haunted destinations in Philadelphia. I'm Dina Marie, your host on this Twisted Journey. Welcome to Twisted Philly. There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings-on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Philly podcast. True crime, haunted history, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome, Welcome to, to Twisted, Twisted Philly. Philly. In my entire lifetime, I don't know if I'd ever be able to afford a house along Alfreth's Alley. Maybe not in my child's lifetime either, but it's fun to dream. I remember seeing listings a few years ago that were in the $300,000 to $400,000 price range. Today, it's a lot closer to $1 million. There was a post last year in a local Philadelphia newspaper about three houses on Alfreth's Alley for under $1 million. And my stupid head thought, oh my God, three historic homes on Alfreth's Alley for under a $1 million, thinking all three of them added up to less than a million when really each one was individually priced at just under a million dollars. After the episode about the Seelbach Hotel, I've been a little enamored with historical properties and ghost stories. I've also mentioned Alfreth's Alley in a few episodes this year, and each time I've said it deserves its own episode. So it's time to give Alfreth's Alley its due. The history, the hauntings, the museum, and the seasonal attractions of Alfreth's Alley all rolled up into one episode. Alfreth's Alley is so old, people find it surprising when they learn it wasn't part of William Penn's original city grid for Philadelphia. The alley was born out of necessity. The section of Philadelphia near the wharfs along the Delaware River were home to tradesmen, crafters, blacksmiths, silversmiths, tailors, any and all sorts of merchants who needed easier access to the river. We had a traffic problem a few hundred years ago, although it was with horses and carriages, not cars and septa. Around 1702, two Philadelphia merchants and landowners who had homes between Second and Front Street near the Delaware River and the trade hubs along the wharfs in Old City, which is what we call that section of the city today, joined forces, as well as properties, 
and they created a very small road for residential dwelling. I call it a road, but it's really no bigger than an alleyway. The alley was named after a local blacksmith, Jeremiah Elfrith, and most of the homes, other than the two original properties, were built in the early 1700s to early 1800s. There are homes along Alfred's Alley dating back to between 250 to 300 years ago. While so many streets in Philadelphia make you feel as if you've stepped back in time, none have the same feeling as Alfred's Alley. It's small, only 16 houses on each side of the street. All of them are so very similar to one another. They're all red brick and attached, something we call row homes, Many of the houses have doors with arched molding around the outside. The homes on the even side of the street have larger storm door access for cellars, and most are painted the same colors as the shutters around the windows. There are historic plaques on so many of the properties. One reads Alfreth Alley and dates back to 1703. Another states Alfreth's Alley has been inhabited since 1713. And then there's another one that lists 1736. The difference in dates depends on how you measure the inception of Alfred's Alley. Does it date back to the original landowners who merged their homes, turning this into a residential street, or a little later as more houses were erected and it became a tiny neighborhood? The alley's claim to fame as the oldest residential street in the country is often disputed. There's a street in New Paltz, New York, that was settled in 1677, so over 20 years before the first residents settled on Alfred's Alley. There are also streets in Williamsburg that try to present themselves as the oldest residential street in the country. The distinction between Alfred's Alley in Philadelphia and other slightly older settlements is the status of continuously inhabited. I know here in Philly we get a little hung up on whether or not we were the first or the oldest. I know I certainly do. You heard a little bit of that if you listened to Twisted Nola, my episode with Jeremy Collins from the podcast we listened to when we talked about haunted bars and haunted hospitals. We had a little debate about which city had the oldest bar in the country. That time, I had to give it to Jeremy for Lafitte's Bar in New Orleans. Either way, Alfred Sally is old. And while it may not be the oldest street in the country, it is definitely the oldest continuously inhabited street, meaning people have always lived on Alfred Sally even when the city feared construction of one of the biggest highways in our city and surrounding area could have destroyed this beautiful little alley and the homes along that cobblestone street. Yeah, just like the near destruction of City Hall, there was a time when the city's first instinct wasn't to preserve the rich history we have here. Convenience sometimes superseded preserving the past. Thinking about the people living along this narrow little street before the Revolutionary War, it is mind-blowing to me. I like to imagine their lives, running a business out of a shop on the first floor of their home. Maybe it's a glass blower making beautiful vases and wine glasses. I think about a woman shopping along Alfred's Alley in the 1700s with a hoop under her dress the time it must have taken her to get dressed with the petticoat and the corset, then the dress and a waistcoat over the dress, gloves, billowy sleeves, miles and miles of fabric. Walking along those same cobblestones we walk over today when we visit Alfred's Alley. I like to imagine the blacksmith shop with a man who had soot on his hands and his face, his shirt sleeves rolled up to the elbows, maybe wearing a leather apron, he was making pots or pans or horseshoes. 
I can see all of it when I walk along parts of old city Philadelphia, especially Alfreth's Alley. What I love about Alfreth's Alley is its history as a working class neighborhood. The homes along the alley at different times throughout our city's history were inhabited by tradesmen and their families. It wasn't the high-end street that it is today. It's what we would call blue-collar, hard-working men and women and their families, women who were seamstresses and dressmakers. They weren't necessarily born into money living along that alley. In fact, they couldn't afford to live in other sections of the city. As the centuries changed, so did the residents, but it kept that working-class vibe for a very long time. I'm fascinated with how small the houses are. So many of them have been remodeled inside, or at least as remodeled as they can be, provided they follow certain historic guidelines. But these houses were sometimes referred to as a father, son, and holy ghost house because there was one room on each floor with an old-fashioned winding staircase between each story, the kind of staircase you could break an ankle on. So many of the interiors of the homes feature exposed brick, brick that dates back almost 300 years, Who wouldn't want to live in a home like that? Even if it's so narrow, it feels like you could touch both sides of the house if you had really long arms and stretched them as far as they would go. To me, the properties on Alfred's Alley, to me, the properties on Alfred's Alley are like the original version of tiny houses, except they cost a shitload more than any tiny house you might build today. As you walk along the alley, you'll notice some homes have iron or wooden gates next to their front doors. These are little passages to the rear of the property, where there are tiny little yards or outdoor courtyards behind each house. Some properties have what's called a double passage. It's really one passage for each home with a very narrow brick wall between them. But because they're next to each other, they're called a double passage. So many of the windows have flower boxes outside, and you can just imagine how beautiful this street is during every season we have here in Philadelphia. One of the best parts about Alfred Sally is you can actually visit inside these homes. There are a few different ways you can do that. Don't just go up and knock on somebody's door anytime you happen to be there and tell them Twisted Philly sent you. There are a few rules. House number 124 and 126 are the Alfreth's Alley Museum. You get your tickets in 124 and then you tour the property at 126. Next month is Alfreth's Alley Fete Day on June 2nd from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. This is a 70-year tradition. Fete Day is run by the Alfreth's Alley Association, which was formed back in 1934 by an alley resident named Dolly Oddie. Now, Dolly wanted to protect Alfreth's Alley and maintain its colonial roots. On Fet Day, you can actually tour private residences along Alfred's Alley. And besides tours of these historic homes, there's also arts and crafts demonstrations along the street, food and beverages, but it requires a ticket. Tickets are $25 for adults or $60 for a family pass, which includes two adults and at least one child under the age of 18. If you're interested in tickets for Fet Day, you need to order them online at alfredsalley.ticketleap.com. You can also tour the homes along Alfred's Alley in December during Deck the Alley, which is on December 1st this year. I'll remind everyone about that again in the Holiday Happenings episode I release later this year. What's great about Deck the Alley is seeing these historic homes inside and out decorated for Christmas and the winter holidays. It's just like Fet Day. They have artist demonstrations and food in the alley, and they also have colonial carol singers. 
Alfred Sally features a first Friday pop-up gallery on the first Friday of every month between April and October. You can get a free tour of the museum house at 126th Alfred Sally between 5 and 7 p.m. And you can watch pop-up street historians regale visitors with history of the alley and the homes. You will often catch a glimpse of Ben Franklin hanging out around the alley. And Philadelphia legend has it that he actually lived along Alfred Sally for a time, but in which house, nobody knows. So it can't be proven as historical fact. What is historical fact is that Franklin actually never lived on Alfred Sally. He lived about two blocks away on the corner of 2nd and Ray Street. But it's so fun when you see him out along the alley in his costume and his bifocals to imagine him having lived there. There's another Alfred's Alley legend connected to Ben Franklin, which is he invented the busybody mirrors that adorn the exterior of some of the homes. Busybody mirrors are three small mirrors that hang outside a window and they allow someone inside the house to see who is at the door or walking along the street without being seen peeking out the window. Ben Franklin did not invent this mirrored contraption. This poor guy, between all the inventions attributed to him, he never would have had time to actually create the inventions that he really developed, like the lightning rod, bifocals, and the Franklin stove. Busybody mirrors came from Ben Franklin's trips to France, specifically time he was reported to have spent in the red light district in Paris. Ben was getting his freak on. Whether the Parisians were keeping an eye out for the gendarmes who were about to raid their brothel, or women in another part of the city on the second floor of their home wanted to see if the milkman was outside the front door with a delivery, Franklin thought these busybody mirrors would be beneficial to the colonists in Philadelphia. Alfred's Alley isn't the only street where you'll see these mirrors. You'll find them in other parts of Old City and Society Hill, usually up on the second floor just outside of a window. The other rumor about Ben Franklin and the busybody mirrors is that he used them to see if his mother-in-law was outside so he could sneak out the back door. And others say he used the mirrors to sneak women out of his house before his wife got home. Alfred's Alley has an alley within an alley. There is a tiny, little, even narrower alley about halfway down the street that was built around 1750 because two residents wanted outside access to their backyards. These men were brothers-in-law on different sides of the political and religious fence, one supported the colonists and the other supported the British crown. But on the alley, they were able to set their differences aside and split construction costs. And this narrow little brick pathway is known as Bladen Court. It was named after William Bladen, who owned the property many years later in the 1800s. This tiny little stretch of brick between two homes opens to a small round courtyard with the back of two properties facing it on either side. It's like a tiny little walk back through time. As if you don't already feel that way on Alfred's Alley, Bladen's Court will transport you to the earliest days of Philadelphia. All of this history, these tiny little houses, hidden courtyards, secret passages between homes, this has to add up to a ghost story or two. Just
historic Alfred's Alley, the street that time forgot, but visitors haven't. Put 300-year-old American row houses together with tourists from around the world, and you've got a street where strangers regularly sit on front steps of houses they don't own, get their photos snapped doing it, stare into front windows, and finger point up and down the narrow block. Adam Landon he owns an Alfred's Alley house that gets treated like a celebrity. Occasionally we'll have people peeking into our kitchen window or, you know, I'll see like flash bulbs going off randomly when I'm trying to do the dishes. Bye. Alfred's Alley is featured on a number of history tours around Philadelphia and haunted history tours. A few years ago, the Alfred's Alley Museum partnered with an organization called the Oakford Paranormal Society and hosted Paranormal Night on the Alley. Participants received hands-on ghost hunting training. They spent time investigating the museum house late in the evening, just a week or two before Halloween. That sounds like the sort of activity many of us would enjoy. It would be great for a meetup, but I wasn't able to find any ghost hunts hosted by Alfred Sally Museum since that one about five years ago. But I'm going to call them and see if there's a way that we can remedy that. Most of the stories about Alfred Sally are from people who were on a history tour or a ghost tour around Philadelphia, and they happened to sense something while walking down the alley. Some tour attendees claimed they had headaches along the alley, which they didn't have before or after being in that part of the city. Visitors to Alfred's Alley have also reported their phones or cameras, which were fully charged before hitting the alley, stopped working or lost their charge while they were on a tour. It is interesting that these occurrences aren't reported as often by people who were just visiting Alfred's Alley during a walk on a sunny afternoon or one of the visitor events. One of the ghost stories frequently referenced about the alley is that of a revolutionary soldier who was hanged in Bladen Court. The story goes a young man who fought for the colonists during the Revolutionary War switched sides, and he started fighting for the British. He was captured by the locals and hanged for treason. Although if you ask the British, all the revolutionists committed treason against the crown, so... His ghost is rumored to haunt Bladen's Court, the little alley off Alfred's Alley. As I researched ghost stories from Alfred's Alley, I found a photograph someone snapped down one of those passages that connect from the front of a house to the backyard without having to go through the home. This photograph was taken on a bright, sunny day, not at night or while someone was on a ghost tour. In the foreground of the photograph, there's a trash can. And in the background, the passage opens up onto a small brick courtyard behind the house. In the courtyard is an iron table with chairs. When you look at the photograph, it appears that there is a smoky haze lingering over one of the chairs. The photographer believes it's an apparition sitting at the table, and you can see the chair through this spectral form. I definitely see the haze in the photo. It doesn't have any shape, and honestly, to me, it looks like it could have been the result of a smudge on a camera lens, although I don't know what sort of camera was used to take the photograph. It could have been a camera or a camera phone or a disposable camera. I'll post a link to the photograph on the Twisted Philly social media pages. And that's about it. When people talk about Alfred's Alley, they always talk about the alley being haunted, but there are very few specifics. I can't say I've heard many stories other than the legend of the soldier who was hanged in the 1700s. Over the past 300 years, 3,000 different people have lived on Alfred's Alley. That's a lot of souls that have occupied one street at one point in history or another. So I can understand why there are expectations and rumors of hauntings. Maybe in another 300 years, people will be talking about ghosts from the turn of the millennium haunting the alley. 
If you visit Philly, a stroll down Alfreth's Alley is a must. You don't have to be a tourist to be a tourist in your own city, because I know plenty of folks from Philly and the surrounding areas who have never set foot on Alfreth's Alley. And in my book, that is a shame. I hope you enjoyed this little tiny episode about a little tiny alley in Philadelphia. As always, thank you for listening. That's it from me. Ciao for now, Twisters.